apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Mac Home Mortgage, and Equal Housing Lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 2011-28810L. Call for additional details. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RMJ. I'm Steve Risser, along here with Justin Anafio, and the Heat go up 1-0. In the Eastern Conference Final, they won last night over the Boston Celtics, uh, 118 to 107. It looked like in the first half the Celtics were going to take Game One. They were up by uh, they were up by eight. They're up 62-54, but the Heat outscored the Celtics 39 to 14 in in the third quarter, and that pretty much did it for the Celtics as they fall to the Heat 118 to 107. Outstanding performance by Jimmy Butler, and he continues to play the way he's been playing. He's he dropped 41 last night, and he's starting to get people to th- he's starting to get people to, to, to think of to, 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 to and we're starting to ask this question to ourselves: Is he a superstar in this league? Is Jimmy Butler a superstar? I'm still not there yet, but if he could lead this team to a championship, I de- I'm definitely there. Yeah, he's a fantastic player. Yeah, he's probably one of the best two way players in the game. Defensively, offensively, he can do it all. I he's right there. I give him to it. I give him the superstar. Again, he could score. I know at times, you know, he may not, you know, laid up at times, but again, defensively, last night he got to the line, hit 17 free throws. Again, he he led I know it was in the bubble, but he did lead that team in 2020 to a championship team with Miami. So I, I think he's got that superstar level. Um I think I think he's a superstar in this game. I, I again I I take a lot of stock in guys who are two way players and he's one of the best in the game. He is, but the problem with him is he's not the best three-point shooter. That's my issue with him. But in this postseason, I mean, 
He, he had some great performances against the Hawks. He had some great performances against the Sixers. And last night, he outplayed Jason Tatum. He was the best player on the floor. And that was the advantage of Celtics that going into the series. You knew that you, you thought they had the best player in the series. But last night, Jimmy Butler was that guy. Yeah, he was. Especially defensively, too, he kind of set the Tony at three. He had four steals in the game. Three of them came in the third quarter. And yeah, defensively, the minute Tatum got up, up um, over half court, you know, Butler, any of those heat were all over him. Um, you know, mostly Butler. Butler was great defensively. And it, it helped him offensively. He got to the line, he hit some shots, and defensively they were just, you know, Butler and the rest of the Heat were just a tougher team it felt like than the Celtics last night. righty. so now we'll, we'll we'll talk about why the Heat won the game, and I think it's pretty obvious. It was Jimmy Butler, and it was that third quarter. The, those were the two biggest reasons by far why the Heat won that game. I mean, Jimmy Butler was just outstanding. Forty-one points. We talked about him, and that third quarter, the Heat were down eight at halftime. They came out and they dominated the Celtics in the third quarter and they won that first game at home. So to me, it was Jimmy Butler and it was the third quarter. Yeah, absolutely. Jimmy Butler was un- unbelievable. I think it was second half judgment with that heat. You know, defensively coming up, Garden Tatum, the mini got over half court. Boston had 42 points of the paint in the first half with 17 assists. They only had six points in the paint in the second half. They did a much better job. They were the tougher team. And, you know, Miami, I thought, made the better adjustments in um, – you know, EK wouldn't throw me the Celtics coach. That's really the first time I, I've seen him um, get absolutely out coached like that. Um, Spolster did a great job last night. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. You know, Zudoka's done a really good job, but Spolster's got experience, and I think that that's starting to take over here a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think, you know, yeah, Spolster's been in this a lot. Um, Igudoka, in his first kind of season here as a head coach in the playoffs, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a different thing. And, again, last second, too, I think, you know, Smart and – Horford kind of being out literally a couple hours before the game kind of threw some things off. And, um, you know, again, the first half they had a great game plan, but the second he just could not make any adjustments. Absolutely. 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 So now we'll get to why the Celtics lost this game. And I think, I think the biggest reason the Celtics lost this game is they were able, they weren't able to contain uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler and, you know, Tatum was not that good in the second half. I think those were the reasons why and their, and their, and their bench got outscored. And I think I think uh, so. There's four reasons for me. Their bench got outscored. Uh, they couldn't contain Butler. Tatum wasn't great in the second half. And now the obvious reason: they didn't have Al Horford. They didn't have Marcus Smart. And most importantly, Marcus Smart, because he's the guy who probably was going to defend Jimmy Butler and contain him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Hor- Horford and, and Smart were big reasons why. Um, I had mostly the same reasons you did. So, like the one kind of difference, other one I had that you didn't was for me. I thought Jalen Brown wasn't a factor really till like the fourth quarter. You know, in that third quarter, they really needed him to show up. And you know, when Tatum was kind of struggling, he didn't. And I, I know Brown had 24 points, but most of those came in the fourth quarter late when it didn't really matter. The game was kind of in hand. So, for me too, not having Butler, I mean Brown, not being a big factor was another kind of loss there. Big loss for the uh, Celtics. Absolutely. 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 So what do the Celtics have to do to tie this series up? In my opinion, what's going to have to happen is Smart's got to get healthy and, and, and Horford's got to get healthy and they must contain Jimmy Butler. They can't let him go crazy because they don't let Butler go crazy in the series. I think they win this series because after that, I mean, they should have, the, they have, in my opinion, they got the best player in Jason Tatum, and then they got Jalen Brown, who I think is better, outside of Jimmy Butler, better than anyone in the Heat. So if they don't let Butler go crazy, I feel like they can win the series. But that it is imperative they don't let Butler go crazy in game two. They, 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 they cannot let him go crazy in game two. 
And, uh, and yeah, and you said it too. Jalen Brown has got to be better until he's got to be better. And he's the only, he really can't, he really got hot in the fourth quarter. He's got to be better throughout the game. So really what they got to do to tie the series is Brown's got to be better throughout the game and they got to contain Jimmy Butler. Yeah, absolutely. J- contain Jimmy Butler. Um, again, you know, it's kind of different here when you play in the box. You just came off probably the best guy, best player in the world. Now you have a guy in Jimmy Butler who's a little bit better of a three-point shooter than Giannis is. Um, but, yeah, you, you got to be able to contain him and, and make some of those other guys beat you. I know Gabe – and another, you know, Gabe, Gabe Vinson had a really good game as well last night. Um but yeah, you know, contain Butler, and then the other one is the role guys. Like Grant Williams got to play better. You know, Peyton Pritchard's got to play better. He's got to score more. Especially if Smart and Horford are going to be out for an extended period of time here, they're going to need those role guys to step up and hit some shots for him. Um, because again, Brown and Tatum are good enough, but the way they guarded Tatum, I don't think they're going away from that until each till each till Tatum shows he's gonna. Um, they're going to figure it out, and other guys are going to be able to score. You know, Peyton Pritchard at eighteen, he played well. Robert Williams played well coming off um, in his first game back, but Grant Williams struggled. You know, they, they need some of those other guys to really step up and hit some shots. Absolutely. You, made, you brought up Grant Williams. Grant Williams had a great game seven against the Bucs, and he was just he, – he was not good at all against the uh, – like last night, he was not good at all. Pritchard did step up. Pritchard was yeah, pretty he, good. He had 18 points. But, yeah, he's got to continue to step up, and they definitely need to get more to Grant Williams, especially if Marcus Smart and Al Horford aren't going to play the next couple, next couple of games. Probably Horford's probably going to be out longer than Smart, but – those guys definitely have to step up. Yeah, absolutely, they do. Because, you know, Horford, we saw, had a big, you know, Eastern Conference semifinals, really stepped up. And Marcus Smart's been a great defensive uh, defense player of the year. Again, he can hit some shots, you know, and he's a decent shooter as well. So, yeah, they need some of those guys. Derek Boyd's not a great shooter. You know, they can't really rely on him. Aaron Neesmith wasn't college. Obviously, we haven't seen much of him in the NBA yet, but he was a good shooter at Vanderbilt. You know, maybe he can knock down. So I know he showed he was over through last night, but maybe game two, he can knock some down. But yeah, Peyton Pritchard's got to hit some. You know, Jalen Brown's got to be a bit better. Like, you think he gets some points out of Derek White would be huge. But yeah, those role players really have to step up because, again, I the Miami's going to continue to try to take away Jason Tatum. And, you know, obviously Brown's a good player, but they need some others to step up or they, they're going to struggle to win the series. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, definitely crucial for guys around Tatum and Brown to step up, just like just like uh, just like uh, Williams did in Game Seven. But let's go to the Heat, and what do the Heat have to do to go up 2-0 in this series? And I think the biggest thing is Kevin Butler continue to play the way that he's playing. I'll have the bench continue to do what they're doing. Tyler Hero, 18 off the bench. Hero pretty much owns the Celtics. He owned the Celtics in the 2020 Conference Finals. He, he had another really good game against the Celtics again. But here's another. But here's here here's uh, what the Heat need to do better. I feel like they need somebody outside of Hero or Butler to step up. They need they need they because Bam didn't have a great game last night. I mean, Vincent played pretty well. He 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 was the guy who stepped up. But they need more guys to step up because they can't rely on Jimmy Butler to have the games like he did last night. Especially if Marcus Smart comes back. Butler, yeah, he'll probably put up at least twenty five every game in the series. But you can't expect him to put up forty one. So. I think the Heat need to get con- some some other contributions from guys outside of Hero and uh, and uh, Butler if they want to go if they want to win on Thursday night and go to Boston up two up. Yeah, absolutely. They they, they have to because um, ba- you know Bam's got to um, yeah, Bam's such a great defense player, but yeah, they need some more from him on the offensive side of the floor than they did last night. Yeah, Butler's a great player, but 
yeah, they need more. Like Gabe Vitson had a really good game, but can you rely on him to kind of do that the rest of the series? It's tough. Tyler here had a really good game. You know, Al Depot was two for nine last night. He didn't shoot the ball very well. I know he's kind of, you know, just coming back, but again, like he's a guy that can, can light up a scoreboard if he's hot. So, you know, yeah, Miami's got the pieces to do it, but it just feels like it's one guy one night off of that bench that does it. And then the kind of the rest have an off night, but like if two or three of them can get in a rhythm and shoot the ball well and, and put up some points, it's going to be very tough for the Celtics to beat them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely. So, Right now, Heater up 1-0. I picked the Celtics in six to win this series, and 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 I'm gonna stick with that. I'm gonna stick with the Celtics in six. And and, he, and here's why. I, I think that eventually Marcus Smart will come back, he'll contain Jimmy Butler, and I think Jason Tatum will start taking over. I mean, last night, Jay, and then this is another big key for the Celtics. Last night, the Celtics didn't have the best player on the floor. I think in this series they have the best player on the floor, and that's gonna show up. That's why I think, even though they lost last night, I still got the Celtics winning in six. Yeah, I still got the Celtics. I'll, I got them right now as well in six games. I think they do finish. I I do think, you know, when they get smart and Horford back, they are the better team. And I do worry they just came off of a grueling series against the Bucks, and, you know, get, coming off that and everybody's picking the Celtics. But, yeah, I, I think Jason Tatum is a bit better than uh, Jimmy Butler. I think Jalen Brown really starts to play better, you know, for the, in the first few quarters and, you know, shoots the ball better. And I, I think, you know, and I don't know consistently if Miami's got the, you know, consistently can Miami have enough guys to step up and knock down shots and knock off the Celtics? Uh, because, like, you saw in that first half, you know, Boston was the, so much the better team, and they still were not without Smart and Horford. And even, though, you know, they got out – they outscored the Heat in three of the four quarters. Like, they were the better team besides that third quarter, and they killed them. You know, like, yeah, the Celtics – think are the better team they just got to play a full six 48 minutes exactly 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 i mean and, and and you know the Celtics. this this is the uh i think i think it's this is the fourth trip they've made to the conference finals in the last in the last six years i feel like the time is now for the celtics if this jason tatum year the time is now they got a really really good opportunity to win so i that's why i think i still think even though the heat won i still have them in six but this should be a great series yeah, that's what it should be. I think this game go this series goes to six, seven games. Uh, two really good defensive teams with some really good players. So yeah, it should be a fun series. It should be back and forth, and it should be a deep series. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll go to the Western Conference, and that starts tonight as the Warriors face the Mavs. I mean, do we ever think the Mavs were going to get to this point after they were down 0-2 to the Suns, but they got here? I mean, the Sun. I mean, we know the Sun. That's another story with what happened to the Suns, but yeah, I mean. Really, Luka Doncic is proving why I I take the only player I take over Luka right now is Giannis. He's and, and Luka has proven that he's been absolutely phenomenal in this postseason, leading this Mavericks team to the conference finals. This is very similar. I feel like this is very very similar to LeBron leading the Cavs to the uh, to the NBA Finals in 07. I think I'm seeing some similarities here. I think I maybe Luka's team's a little bit better, but I'm definitely seeing some similarities between Luka leading the Mavericks this far and LeBron leading the Cavaliers this far in 2007. Yeah. I don't remember too much of that 07 Cavs scene. That was really when I started to kind of just follow sports. Like I, I can't really remember, but I, I know they kind of went on that run. Yeah. LeBron kind of the superstar. Luca is special to see what he did in that game seven, to see what he's done in clutch in kind of game or serious clinching moments is, is unbelievable. And he should be a king. That's, yes, yes, that's so frustrating yeah. to watch. 
It, it's I know, I know, I know, I know. You took Marcus Bagley over yeah. Luka Doncic. Terrible, yeah. terrible. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating, but that's Sacramento for you. Yeah, so again, he's he's a great player. He's clutch, and again, I know he could kind of whine and complain at times, but he'll back it up, though. He'll, he'll back it up, and he, yeah, I'm with you. He's right there with Giannis as being the best player in the league to see – what he's been able to do, carry this team, is, is really, really special. Oh, I, oh absolutely. It, it, it really is. It really is. So we'll get to Luca, but first got to talk about the Warriors and what is the key to them winning this series. And I think for them, if Poole, Curry, and Clay play well, there's no way, no way they're going to lose this series. Because after Luca, if you're doing a draft, you're probably taking Curry, Clay. You're definitely taking Curry, Clay, and Poole. And you might even take Draymond Green before you take the Mavs. We were taking maybe Jalen Brunson or Spencer Dinwiddie, the Mavs uh, next player. So the Warriors are clearly the better team. And if those three guys have really good series and the Mavericks don't contain those guys, the Warriors should win this series and they should win it in five, they should win it in five games, maybe six max. Yeah. The Warriors, yeah, they, they should be able to, with those three big scores that they have um, with Curry. I know Thompson had a, you know, Thompson's got to continue to play like he did in game six. I know he's not the same guy. He's been out for so long. But if he can knock down shots like he did in game six and clinch that thing, it's going to be very tough to beat him. Yeah, they're good defensively. You know, even like a guy like Andrew Wiggins is just another good player as well. Yeah, like the, the Warriors should be able to win this thing in five, six games. They, they, they do have the more talent. You're right. Like after after Luka, it, it's, you know, you could probably even put Wiggins on that list too. You, Wiggins is probably right there with Brunson, yeah. you know, as that next pick. They're just, yeah, they, they should be able to, um, they, they should be able to win this thing in five, six games. The, the Warriors just have way too much talent. And, again, it's – you know, the Suns have a lot of kind of younger guys. The Warriors, it's Curry, Thompson. They, they've been in this league for so long. They're not losing a series like the Suns did on Sunday. The difference between the Warriors and the Suns is the Warriors got championship DNA. They got guys who have been there and done it before. They got guys who have won three championships like Steph Curry, like Clay Thompson, like Draymond Green, and they had coach Steve Kerr. They've won championships. If you look at the Suns, none of those guys. Oh, oh, Chris Paul's had a great career, but what, but, but what he's been known for in the playoffs is blowing, blowing, blowing series, blowing two zero leads, blowing three one leads, blowing playoff series. That's what Chris Paul's been known him. And Devin Booker, he did not take the next step. He he is, he is not. He proved uh, in that series why he's not a top ten player. So there's definitely differences between the Warriors and the Suns. This is why all year long I picked the Warriors. I thought the Warriors were a better team than the Suns because they have more talent. And they've had guys that have been there before. And and that's why, yes, the Mavericks upset the Suns, but I think they're gonna have a hard time upsetting the Warriors. Yeah, absolutely. Like you, you know, I know the Warriors in game four, game five really show, especially game five. They lost they go on the road and lose by fifty-five. But that's a team they come back home game six and they they take care of business, you know. Again, you know, maybe a younger inexperienced team there kind of gets nervous, kind of gets a little bit rattled, and they go home game six and they lose and they lose the Grizzlies game six and they gotta go back to Memphis. You know, but yeah, not the Warriors. Yeah, the Warriors, they, they know how to be, you know, they know how to get to the championship. They've done it a bunch. They they have a bunch of experienced guys that, yeah, that know how to how to um win. And yeah, Chris Paul's been a great player in his career, but yeah, he hasn't won yet. Unfortunately for him, he has not won yet. They did they blow another one. Monty Williams is a young coach against Steve Curry, who's been around forever, or been around for a while. Yeah, it's just, it, you know, it's a totally different, you know, it, it's the Suns just, they haven't gotten there. They kind of, that, you know, Chris Paul was a nice addition, but I think, you know, 
it'd be great too. They could find somebody that's won a couple of championships or at least won one to kind of bring in that locker room as well to kind of know, you know, help that team um, be able to take that next step and help Booker get to the next step. It, that's something they really do. I think need. Absolutely. 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 So we talked about the Mavericks and how they're going to have trouble pulling the upset, but now we'll talk about how the Mavs will have to pull this upset. And it's, it's going to have to be uh Luca's going to have to be great in every game in the series, in every game. He's going to have to play like he's the second best player in the league. He's going to have to be phenomenal. He cannot have an off game. And other guys got to get involved, just like they did in game six and seven of the of the conference finals. You got to get Dinwiddie involved. You got to get you got to get Brunson involved. You got to get uh, Beertrand's uh, – what's his name? That, 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 that player on the Mavericks, number to B, that three-point shooter. Oh. He, he, he's got to get involved. So the Mavericks got to get other guys involved. That, that, that's the biggest thing, and, and they got to hit their threes because if the Mavericks hit their threes, they are they are very very dangerous. But I just think it's 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 just going to be really hard for them. But 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 if they want to win, uh, uh, three things got to happen. Luca's got to be great. Uh, the role players have to step up, and they got to hit threes. Yeah, you know, for me, my three for um, Dallas in the series is they did a pretty good job in Steph Curry in the regular season. He only averaged 20 points a game against them. He shot eight. You know, they held him to 33% shooting, only 29% from three. Mostly Reggie Bullock and Doran Finley-Smith were the two premium um, defenders on him. And then, you know, the role players, as you mentioned, too, yeah, they got to step up. And, and the playoffs are shooting 38% and, you know, from downtown. You know, those like the Doran Finley-Smith, the Max Keeblers, David, um, Davis Burton's, I think that's how he, it's Kleba, not it's Cle- Maxi Kleba. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Maxi Kleba. Then Davis Burton's, Burton's, um, yeah, Burton's in that big yeah. game in game four. Yeah, 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 like, and, and then, um, you know, Spencer did what he too. You know, they're they're shooting 40 percent from from uh, from three, so and Reggie Bullock is just shooting under 40 percent from three, so like, yeah, you know, yeah, those so those role players have shot the ball pretty well, but they got to continue because they're gonna have to score. And kind of leads my next one too is the Mavericks got to I think dictate the tempo, you know that they, they kind of they you know they want they've averaged about ninety two possessions per game in the playoffs. The, the Warriors and that's one of the slower paces, and the Warriors are ninety eight uh, possessions per game. I you know you're not going to beat the Warriors in a shootout. Dallas is going to have to win these games in like the one hundreds, you know, low one hundreds, kind of somewhere around there. That's how you're gonna you're not beating the Warriors within a shootout. So they got to be able to dictate the pace of this game. And that's defensively, you know, defensively kind of setting the tone um, and trying to play in a low-scoring game to the Warriors. I know it's tough to do, but that's really the only chance the Mavericks have. Exactly. Yeah, it has to be a really, really low-scoring game. You made, you, you made a good point. they got to control the tempo. If they're able to control the tempo, they, they have a shot. But if the Warriors start playing fast and they start hitting threes themselves, it's it's, it's going to be a very, very long series for them. So, yeah, can play, can try to contain Curry. One of the, one of those three guys, Curry, Poole, or Thompson, and then control the tempo because they got to play. They got to play games in like the low hundreds. If this game gets into the one, we got Warriors in six. I think that's Jared. Warriors in six, but Luca is the real MVP. Yeah, yeah, Luca definitely is the real MVP. What he's done for this Mavs team has been downright phenomenal. I mean, you thought, I mean, to get this team to the conference finals has been downright phenomenal. And like I said earlier in the, earlier in the show, it proves you why he's the top two player in this league. Yeah, absolutely. He he is. Um, he's definitely yeah. He'll 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 carry the Mavericks on his back as much as possible. And imagine they could get a second if they can find that right second star for Luca. What that's going to do that Dallas team? Yeah, he's impressive. And yeah, I think yeah, he'll do all all he all he can do for this Mavericks team to try to try to get them to the finals. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So the series prediction. My prediction is I think this goes. I, I think this goes five games. I just don't. I don't see the Mavericks containing Curry, uh, a pool or a Clay Thompson. And Luke will have his points, but I just don't think he's going to get enough help in the series. I think. I think that, that the Warriors will 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 try to contain him. I think. I think we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how the Warriors defend him. But but you know, the Steve Kerr will either let him get his points. Or he'll lock up the role players, or he'll, or if the role players are playing well, he'll double Luca, and then if if, if the role players are playing well, he'll uh, he'll double he'll uh, double Luca and see what he can do there. So I think Kerr's gonna have him ready. Okay, it's, a, it's Hector. Eh? It's Hector, hey, Hector, Hector. What's up, Hector? Hector, definitely. What's up? So yeah, uh, yeah. Long yeah, time so you, we, 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 we've been we've been noticing you've been you know you've been uh, you you know you're back you're back on here and uh yeah I mean, it's, you got uh, you know it's, it's the NBA playoffs we're happy you're excited you got the Warriors in six but yeah just like I said it's it's really gonna be either the role players for uh for the for the Warriors they have to the curl will, will contain the role players or he'll contain Luca. So we'll see what his defensive strategy is, but I just can't see. I just can't see the uh, Warriors winning this series. Uh, no, I mean, I mean the Mavericks winning this series. I got the Warriors in five. I just think there's too much talent on the war and this Warriors team, and Luca just can't. Just Luca's. It's just gonna be too much for Luca to overcome. Yeah, I want to say six, but I, I only. I I think you know they only find a way to steal one game at home in Dallas. I think yeah. I think it's just too difficult. Of a task because Golden State, yeah, they could score too, but they're pretty good defensively as well. So, yeah, I think you know, Golden State, you know, I think you put pressure on Luca and force him to take those jump shots because I think if he gets in the paint, that's where he becomes so good at his playmaking ability. He can either finish or that's when he's going to try to find the open guy and a, and a kick out. You know, I, yeah, the Warriors are going to have to defend that really well. And then, yeah, like if they can get anything like they did out of Clay Thompson in game six, they don't need 30, but if they can get, you know, 20, 25 points. I know defensively he's not the same guy either, but they can just get something out of Clay. Um, <laughs> oh, I've been missing in action. LOL. There, there he is. There he is. There, I've been MIA. He's yeah. gonna be happy. He's gonna like our show today. We're gonna talk about the Giants' schedule coming up, so we'll definitely like our mm-hmm. show today. But, 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 but yeah, but yeah, you, you said it, Justin, and we and we've said it. It's just, it's just too much for Luca. And and then with a coach like Steve Kerr going up against Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Jordan Poole, it's just, it's just, it's just too much. Great year, great year for Luca and the Mavs, but I think it comes to an end in the conference finals. Yeah, absolutely, I think it does as well. Um, yeah, he had a great year. He's again got farther than anybody thought they would. But yeah, they they got to find that second superstar for him, um, you know. And maybe this offseason they they do kind of find that and they, you know, make a make a trade or something. Who knows? But um, yeah, you know, I think the Warriors is too much, and they're going to be too much to handle for Dallas. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we got a we got we got some uh, transactions in the NFL and the schedules came out. But before we before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. So Jess, why did you become a realtor? I worked in a various customer service jobs, so I wanted something a little bit more rewarding. Um, becoming a real estate agent, being able to help people find their forever homes or their investment homes, starter homes, it's very exciting, so a lot of fun. Now, you've gotten off to a really good start in your real estate career. What has been the most rewarding part of this for you so far? Helping people, especially like first-time home buyers, um, finding their first home. They're so excited. Um, I'm so excited to help them. So it's a nice, rewarding part. What is it that you think makes you different than other real estate agents? 
I think that my various roles in customer service has helped me. So I like to ask a lot of questions and I want to know what I'm doing. So I think that helps a lot because I'm not going to steer people the wrong way. I'm going to make sure they have knowledgeable decisions um, and help them find the right home. Last thing I'm going to ask you is, and I know these are words that you live by, but the mantra at CTBB Realty is? People over paychecks do the damn thing. And that's what we do. All right, before we talk about the schedule, we'll get into uh, some of the moves that happened this week in, this week in the NFL. Uh, Jarvis Landry signs with the Saints. And the big, this big story is for the Saints. Look at the roster they've constructed this year. I mean, they, they got Jarvis Landry. They got Marcus May. They got Tyrone Matthew. They did lose a Marcus Williams and a Teron Armstead. So, and they, Sean Payton's not the coach anymore. Dennis Allen is. The big question is, I mean, I think Landry's definitely going to help them. Definitely help that receiving core with Michael Thomas. And uh, with, with Michael Thomas. And obviously, they got Alvin Kamara in the backfield, too. But the big question is, is with the roster they have, can they compete with the Bucs? And I don't think so. I still don't think so. I just don't. I just don't think their offensive line is good enough. They have a rookie left tackle and a quarterback that's came off an ACL. I think defensively, I still think they're they're good, but they're not great. Losing Marcus Marcus Williams, I like some of the additions getting Matthew and getting Travis Landry, but I still don't think they're close to the Buccaneers. I do think they'll beat the Buccaneers once this year because they beat them every year, but I still don't think they're close to the Buccaneers. I think the Buccaneers are still clearly the best team in the AFC South and the NFC South. My bad. Yeah, I, I still think the Bucks are there. I think the Bucks probably win this division probably by two to three games. You know, yeah, I, I do think the Saints probably get them once, probably at the Superdome. I, I I do think, you know, I think the Bucks are still, yeah, a little bit better team. Yeah, I like what the Saints are doing. I like the way um I liked where I liked um with you know how Winston looked in leading up to the ACL injury. I think he played pretty well. You know, I, I like what, you know, could they kind of find, you know, Chris Oliva coming in, you know, Michael Thomas, could he stay healthy this year? Oh, I forgot about I forgot about Chris Oliva, Olave, yeah. Olave, I forgot yeah. about him and they drive from the first round. Yeah, you know, yeah, so I, I think they, yeah, so they've gotten better at the wide receiver core. You know, Marquise Callaway, too, I, I really like, you know, I think he could have a big year for the Saints. Like, I, I think it's often to be a little bit better than it was last year. Defensively, yeah, they lost some pieces, of, you know, but um, I, I still think, yeah, the Saints are just, they're not, they're not, they don't have a guy like Tom Brady quarterback that's, you know, the Saints aren't going to win too many shootouts, I don't think so. And in this day and age, it's, it's, it's tough to kind of, you know, when, you know, it, it's tough, you know, with so many, you know, quarterbacks that could put up a big number. I don't know if, you know, James, I don't think consistently he's going to be able to do that enough. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's going to be tough for him to compete with some of the better teams in football. But the but the next question is 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 are the Saints a playoff team with the roster they have? And I think they are. I think they clearly are. I think let here we go. Saints are the second best team in the AFC in the NFC South. Oh yeah, they're easily the second best team in the NFC South. I mean, because the other two teams, uh, the Panthers and the Falcons, are probably two of the worst teams in in the league in the NFC. I think the Panthers and Falcons are. are are three to four win teams, both of them. So the Saints are clearly the best team, second best team in the AFC South. And I think they're a playoff team. And they would have been a playoff team last year if the Rams hung on to beat the 49ers. So I do think that – I think that the Saints are, are a playoff team. With, with I think they have their offensive line, even though they have a rookie at left tackle, they still have Ryan Ramchak. They got Alvin Kamara. 
They got a whole Michael Thomas stays healthy, but they added Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry to that receiving core. On defense, they still got Cameron Jordan. They still got one of the best linebackers in the league in Demario Davis. And and they uh, still have one of the best corners in the league in Marshawn Lattimore. So I think they're around they're a they're a nine, ten win team that gets a wild card. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I had them going nine and eight, and I think that that may be good enough to get them into a wild card spot. But yeah, I think they're gonna be hanging right around. They're yeah, they're definitely the second best team right now in that division. Um with the Falcons and Panthers rebuilding. Yeah, I think the Saints are going to be right there battling for a wild card up to the very end. And, you know, that's kind of, you know, that – and yeah, because that roster is definitely good enough to compete for a playoff spot. Um, you know, with, with kind of the upgrades they kind of got, that wide receiver especially with Olave and, and um, Jarvis Landry. So, yeah, I, I think um, I think the Saints hit right around a 9-1 team, and that should be enough to get a wild card spot. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I think they sneak into the playoffs, but we got another move this week and the Packers extended Jari Alexander, uh, four years, 84 million. Some of the top corners in the game. The big question is, should he be the highest paid corner in football? And I feel like just like quarterbacks or any position, he was the next guy up Denzel Ward. He was the highest paid guy and he's a better corner cornerback than Denzel Ward. So I feel like, you know, he was the next guy up. I think I think uh, you had to give him the money. I, I think you had to give him the money. You wanted to keep him. You lost Devontae Adams. You lost a, a top player in Devontae Adams. So I feel like if you're the Packers, you wanted to sign a top player long-term. I like this move. Yeah, I do too. I think, yeah, as you, as you mentioned, I think, yeah, you're great. With, um, yeah, now, nowadays it's kind of, you know, one guy kind of sets the market. The next guy kind of up for extension like an Alexander is going to reset that market. So, yeah, I think, you know, Packers, I think it was a good decision to re-sign him and keep him around, you know, you know, put on, um, you know, put you know, with, you know, we know Rodgers probably done a few years kind of anchor around that defense. And, yeah, you don't want to let him, you know, Alexander leave to Lake Adams because I think that, you know, would have really frustrated the fan base because, you know, you, you know, if they could have kept one of the two, they, they had to keep one of the two. They kept Alexander, but I think it's a good move you know, helps that defense. Um, and yeah, I, I think, you know, for Alexander, I think it was a good move for the Packers to keep him around. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was a really, really good move for the Packers to keep him around. Now we'll go to another corner that signed today. One year, 10 million, James Bradbury signed with the Eagles and he was a former giant, had a really good year uh, t- uh, two, uh, two years ago, average year last year. I think it's the number two corner. He's going to help this defense. He's obviously not a superstar, but he's going to help this defense and help this team that I think is the favorite in the, in the, in the NFC East. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, he kind of comes familiar spot. He knows the teams around this, you know, knows the offenses in this league or in this division, which, which helps. Yeah. You know, another veteran presence, you know, with Darius Slay on the other side, which I think helps the Eagles out. Yeah. And I think the Eagles have had a really nice off season and right there, you know, they're right there for battling in the NFC East division and they're going to be right there with Dallas competing with it. So yeah, I think it's a good move for the Eagles to bring in, Bradbury, another veteran uh, piece in that secondary. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So now let's get to our games. Let's get to the schedule. And now that the schedule is out, we picked our top t- our top ten games we wanted to see. We have a lot of good matchups. I really was excited to see. Obviously, that Bills uh, Rams game opening week. A lot of great matchups. But we're gonna give we're gonna give you our top ten games. And I'm gonna start. And first for me, I'm gonna be a little selfish here. Thanksgiving Day, Cowboys, Giants in Dallas. This is the first time the Giants have played the Cowboys on Thanksgiving in 30 years, less since 1992. That game was not very good. The Giants lost, I think, 27 nothing. But this, this is uh, you know, th- Thanksgiving Day in Dallas. The Giants 
head down a big D to face the Cowboys. So that's why that game is number 10 for me. Number nine, I got Russell Will- week one, Monday Night Football, Russell Wilson heading to CenturyLink Field to place the Seahawks. The reaction is going to be interesting. I think they should all be cheers. I don't blame the fact the Seahawks have been losing the last couple of years on Russell Wilson. I blame it on Pete Carroll and John Snyder. So this should be really, really interesting to see the reaction he gets. But I'm definitely excited to watch him play his former team in in his first game of the season, in, in his first game as a Bronco. Number eight, I got the Bengals and the Ravens Sunday Night Football in Week Five, and uh, I, 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 I I'm really looking forward to this game because I want to see how this improved. Be- Ravens secondary, which I think is the best in football. I think the Ravens got the best secondary in football. If getting Peters, getting Humphrey back, yeah, now you've really upgraded safety, signing Marcus Williams, and then uh, going out and drafting Kyle Hamilton. I, I'm really interested to see how this improved secondary goes up against this Bengals receiving core because we saw what the Bengals did to them last year. They destroyed them. Jamar Chase, I think, went for 200 yards in the first game they played. So, I'm really excited to see that matchup. And obviously you're watching Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, two of the top young quarterbacks in football. That's another reason why this is a great matchup in week five. Number seven, Packers-Bucks, just because it's Brady-Rodgers. You have to be excited for Brady-Rodgers. Packers-Bucks, week three, down in Tampa. When you watch these two quarterback, watch these two quarterbacks go at it, I'm really excited to see see them go see them go at it. We need, We didn't get the chance to see it last year. Now we get the chance to see it this year. I'm really excited for that one. That's why that is number seven for me. Number six, Thursday night football week two, Chargers head to Kansas City. I'm really looking forward to see this, seeing this improved Chargers team with Khalil Mack and with J.C. Jackson uh, to, to see this team play. I, I think that they're my favorite to win the, to win the uh, AFC West, but they're going to have to prove it. I know they won in Kansas City last year, but they lost in December at home last year, and then the Chiefs won the division. So – they're really going to have to prove it. They want it to be their AFC West. They want it to be their division. They definitely got to win that game in week two. Number five, the Packers heading to Buffalo to face the Bills in week eight on Sunday Night Football. It's the quarterback matchup. It's it's Aaron Rodgers. It's Josh Allen. We've never seen those two quarterbacks go at it. I mean, you got you got one of the old one of the one of the old the top quarterbacks for years against one of the up-and-comers and Josh Allen. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that quarterback matchup in week eight. Week nine, got to go Rams-Bucks in number four. Got to go Rams-Bucks in week nine. Uh, this was the team that eliminated the defending champs, the, the, the last two Super Bowl champions, and obviously this was the team that eliminated the Buccaneers from the playoffs. Watching Tom – and Tom Brady struggled against the Rams since he's been with the Bucs. He's lost both times. So that should really, really be a very interesting matchup. Number three – Bills Chiefs week six, 425. Uh, we were obviously, we all remember that was probably that was the best game of the season last year. You got the rematch between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Let me tell you, Bills fans are counting the days for this game to happen. They are really, really looking forward to this game. Uh, number two, Chiefs and Bucks, Brady Mahomes, Sunday night football, week four. It seems like those big games Tom Brady plays on Sunday night football are in week four. We remember last year he went he went to Foxborough. This year he's facing Patrick Mahomes at home. That it's when, to see those two quarterbacks go at it. It's always must see TV. That's why that's number two for me. And number one is opening day. It's the Bills. It's the Rams. You got the, the Buffalo Bills, the team that I think is going to win the Super Bowl this year. 
against the team that won the Super Bowl last year in the Rams. And I think we're going to see this matchup again. This will be the first time we see the Bills and Rams play in, 2020, in, in the 2022 season. I think we're going to see the rematch in Glendale, Arizona on February 12th, 2023, when they play in the Super Bowl. So that's why that's my number one game. Justin, your top 10 games. My top 10, uh, I'm going to start at number 10. My Hector's top three, my top three, top three. Bengals versus Bucks. I, I, I like, let's go, let's go, let's see Hector's. Uh, 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 Bills, Chiefs, absolutely. That, that's definitely got to be a, uh, that's definitely yeah. a top game. Yeah, Bills, Chiefs from last year. Packers, Bills, yeah, Bills, school quarterback. This is a good one Hector's got. Bengals and Bucks. Yeah, that's a good one. That almost made it for me. That that, that was that was close. Yeah, that was but close, yep. yeah, yeah that, that's all. That's also another good one. Now, Justin, your top ten. Mine number number ten. I'm starting now. More likely, Deshaun Watson's return to Houston in Week 13. If he comes off the I know this game won't probably will not be the most competitive game in the world, but it'll be interesting the reaction for Deshaun Watson going back to Houston. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, if he's back from suspension or not. And I that was like number 10, just to kind of see the reunion there. Number nine for me is New England versus Vegas on week 15, Bill versus Jock McDaniels. You know, could oh, be a big oh, game. Oh, 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 of, of course you have to pick that as a top 10 game because you want to see those two go at it. Actually, McDaniels beat him the last time they played. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bill needs his, uh, needs his revenge. Could be a wild, could be a big game for the wild card spot. For wild card spot, could be up for grabs as well in that game. Sunday night, week 15, um, should, should be interesting. Battle there. Um, number eight for me, I got Denver at Baltimore week 13. Lamar Jackson versus Russell Wilson. That that should be a you know, two electrifying quarterbacks, two guys that can bulk it out and run. And you know, and I think too late in the year, week 13, could be battling for both teams battling for a playoff spot. Um, that, that should be a fun one out in Baltimore. Number seven for me, I have the Rams versus Tampa Bay in week nine. Another great matchup here. You know, as you mentioned, the last two Super Bowl winners, the last two NFC winners, you know, um, it was a great match in the playoffs. It should be another great one. Two veteran quarterbacks with two very good teams battling it out once again. Number six, I got Buffalo versus Cincinnati week 17. There's just so much offense, this talent on both sides of the ball. You know, I, I could go through it, but you, we know, you know, two young, two star talents in, in Burrow and Josh Allen. Week 17, you know, um, that should be a big one for both teams kind of towards the end of the season. Week one for me um, is Buffalo lost it in the Rams. They'll open the season, could very well. As, as you know, that that's your prediction right now. Um, you know, the the Rams and uh, Rams and um, Bills being the Super Bowl. It very well could be. I've not made my Super Bowl prediction yet. Uh, I haven't gotten that far yet. But, um, you know, that, that, that it would not shock me to see those two teams battling it out in the Super Bowl. Number four, I got Green Bay and Buffalo, week eight. It should be another fun one. Uh, you mentioned Roger versus Allen for the first time. Jari Alexander versus Stephon Diggs, um, one of the best wide receivers versus one of the best cornerbacks. Should be another high-flying high game, two very good teams. Two teams that also could maybe be in the Super Bowl meeting against each other. Number three, I have Seattle versus Denver. I just think because it's week one, and this is like the first time we're going to see Russell Wilson in a Denver jersey, and it goes – and he's – and he's going to Seattle for it. Uh, you know, Seattle probably won't be great, but I think this is probably the best game Seattle's going to play all year. I don't think Pete Carroll's going to have them ready to play. And kind of, you know, and for Denver too, like what's the new scheme now for, you know, for the Broncos under Russell Wilson? Kind of, we're going to find out a lot about the Broncos that game. And, you know, that should be a fun one on Monday Night Football. Number two, Kansas City going to Tampa. 
you know, couple, Super Bowl rematch from a couple years ago. I already believe this six time that Mahomes and Brady are, are meeting off and could be the final one. Crazy that they've already met that many times, but um, should be another high scoring, high scoring one. Should be a lot closer than what the Super Bowl outcome was. And number one for me was is Buffalo versus Kansas City in Week Six. You know, this was, you know, a classic in the in the in the in the playoffs last year. Um, I don't know if we're gonna get you know eighty points again like we did total. Uh, but it should be another fun one, two just electrifying offenses, two great quarterbacks, you know, some really good wide receivers, you know, just so much talent everywhere in that one. Um, I I assume Buffalo is, is going to want to finally get their revenge against Kansas City. Oh, absolutely. That's going to – that's uh, two people, that's already the number one game. So I think that's going to be the game that most people want to see because of just the, the high-scoring offenses and it's because of the way that playoff game uh, – where that playoff game was. I think that's why that this is the – this is – I think the game the, the game people are the most looking forward to this year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't know how you, you couldn't – if you're a football fan, you know, two teams that have been the last two years, you know, have been two of the best teams in all of football and just – with all the young talents that they have and, and Allen and, and Mahomes and both those guys just lay up a football field and, you know, just so many electrifying guys in offense. It's, you know, yeah, that's, it's going to be, it should be another um, fun one. Absolutely. 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 So now we'll go to the Pats and Giants, look at their schedule. We'll start with the Giants and uh, we'll give our predictions for how we think they're going to do this year. My prediction for the Giants looking at their schedule, and it is a favorable schedule for a team that's rebuilding. It's a favorable schedule, so I wouldn't be surprised if they get if they're, if they're close to 500. If you look at the schedule, the Lions they got the Lions at home, they got the Bears at home, they got the Texans at home, they got the Jaguars, they got the Seahawks. This is a very very favorable schedule for the Giants. Look, but looking through it, I got them going seven and ten. I think I think they you know I think they go like two and four and three and three with the division with with the teams in the division. I think they lose to the Packers, the Vikings, the Ravens. The Raven game is put at a terrible time. They're flying back from London to play that game. That, that, that was a poorly scheduled game. Mm-hmm. Hector agrees with me. Hector mm-hmm. agrees. He says seven and ten. Yeah, I, I'm saying seven and ten. As I say, I think I think I think they'll win games against the Bears, the Lions, the the Tex, the Texans. I think they'll definitely win those games. I think they'll beat. They'll win two, two or uh, they'll win a couple games in the division. Uh, they obviously got they got the Jaguars two on the schedule, so they but that's probably another win. So I'm, I'm going, I'm going, and they got the Panthers too. So it's a very, very favorable schedule. But because this team is rebuilding and they got a major question mark at quarterback, I'm still going seven and ten for the Giants. That's my prediction, Justin. What do you got the Giants going? I am at six and eleven. I think it is a favorable schedule. I just I look at that month of October. It's you know, you got the you you open with the Bears there in week four, but then you go to Green Bay. Or, they're going, they're playing them in. Oh, yeah, London. in London. I mean, yeah, in yeah. London. And then you got Ravens at home, and then you go to Jacksonville, and then Seattle next week. There's just so much travel that I, you know, I think they could win both those games at the end of the month, but I I don't see them kind of sweeping that. I think you know, there's just so much travel in that month of October. Uh, you know that I think that's in her. But yeah, you come off the bye, and you got Houston and Detroit at home. I do think it's a it's a very favorable schedule because. You know, end of the year, you kind of got a lot of those division games, and you hope by then, you know, by Thanksgiving, you're kind of getting the groove in. You're, you're start, you know, guys are starting to get used to this new system and all that, and you know, things are coming and clicking together. So, uh, I think for that back end, it, it's kind of better there to have it a gauntlet at the beginning. But yeah, I think it is a favorable schedule. I could see them finishing seven to ten, as you mentioned, or even maybe eight and nine. They could try to steal a couple. It all kind of depends, yeah, on how Daniel Jones, how healthy he is, how well he plays, and 
you know, how well the defense kind of rebounds after last year. I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be like. I think they might be six and four going to that Dallas game. I really do. I because look at who, who they play before that. They play the Bears. They play the. They play the Lions. They play the Texans. They play the Jaguars. They play the Seahawks. They play the Panthers. The schedule to me is a lot lighter in the first half of the year than it is in the second half of the year. The second half of the season, the schedule definitely gets tougher. I mean, they've had five of their six division games in the second half. They got to go to the Vikings in the second half. They got the Colts, who are a better football team than them. They host them, so. I, I, I think I think the first half of the year is where the Giants got to take advantage. The, I think there's a good chance the Giants will be in it uh, around Thanksgiving and then unfortunately tail off and they'll probably move on from Daniel Jones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, yeah, that opening kind of the first few games before, yeah, really for the bye, you know, Tennessee's obviously tough on, on the road. Dallas at home is going to be tough. Green Bay, Ravens. But, yeah, yeah, you got some winnable games there, Seattle. Jacksonville, Chicago at home, Panthers at home. It's a, yeah, most of those games too are all at home too. You know, I mean, uh, Texans and Lions are at home too. I know you got Jacksonville and, and Seattle, but you got the Bears at home, you got the Panthers at home. Yeah, yeah, it's at, yeah, end of the year, all those division games are going to be tough because, you know, all three of those teams too, you know, Washington, Philly, and Dallas are all going to be battling for, for that division and even like wildcard spots. So, they're, they're, they're going to be all be in it as well. You know, there's not really one, you know, you don't have like a Falcons or a Panthers or, you know, a, a Houston in this division where you kind of just beat up on the on the guy. So um, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a tough division. But, yeah, kind of Minnesota, I think, is going to be better this year. Indianapolis, Matt Ryan, I think, will be better. So, yeah, that end of the schedule there, sorry, that thing to, to be a really tough one, uh, tough kind of end, end, end of the season. So for the Giants. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So now we we'll go to the Patriots schedule and looking at their schedule, this this is this is a tough schedule. I mean, they got to play they got to play the uh, the 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 AFC the AFC the AFC North, which is which is tough. They got to play the uh, they, they got to play the Raiders. They got to play the uh, they got to play the uh, Packers. They got to play the the uh, the NFC North, and they go to Minnesota and they go to Green Bay. So that's going to be really difficult for them. And in the AFC East, I think they they I think they split with their games in the AFC East. I think they split with their games in the uh, in the NFC North, but outside of that, outside of that, I, I only see them winning one game. And the only reason I see them winning that game because you, you look at it outside of, outside of those games, they play uh, they play Pittsburgh. That's going to be a brutal game. Cleveland, but luckily for them, the, Deshaun Watson might not play, so that they def, I think they have a chance to win that game. Indianapolis, that's going to be a tough game. Uh, you, you look at uh, Arizona at Arizona. I know you're not a big Cliff Kingsbury guy, but that's going to be a tough game. Uh, Vegas, obviously, you're excited for that game. That's going to be another tough one. So, uh, yeah, really outside of, outside of the games in the uh, in the in the NFC North and the uh, AFC East, because I have them splitting, so that would be five and five. But then I have them one and th- I have them going one and three in the uh, in the in the uh, in the in the AFC North, and then I think I have them. So that would that would make it, I think, six and eight. And then the other three games: the at Arizona, at at the Raiders. And then uh, and the Colts, I'm losing all those games. So I got them going six and eleven, and it's because they didn't do anything this off season. They did nothing this off season, and and, and I think they're they, they, they they're in a competitive AFC. This is going to be a year where, where it's a rude awakening for the Patriots because uh, they just don't have the talent that that some of these top teams in the AFC do, and it's and, it, and I think this season is going to prove that. Yeah, I got to be and I. It's a brutal uh, schedule. How do you get to eight? I, I how do you get to eight? Uh, so I have them beating Dolphins at, on the road week one. I think first time head coach, first game, I think 
you know, I think we kind of know he's going to run a lot of Shanahan system. I, I I think they find some way his first game that got knock him off. Uh, second, I got the Lions. There's two. Week three, Cleveland. Um, you know, I, I got him winning four against the Bears, five, the Jets. Um, again, the Jets in week 11, they're six. I haven't beaten the Cardinals week in week. Um, I can't trust you do. In, of in, course in, you do. Until Cooking Great shows me, of course you have beaten the Cardinals. December. Of course you have beaten yeah, the Cardinals. I, again, that is such a coaching match, like mismatch. It's not even funny. Um, so there's seven, and then eight. I got the Dolphins at, at home in week 17, being or they knocking them off. So you got them going four, four and two in the division. I don't think the Jets are better than I, I still think I, they should knock I, off the Jets. I first. think they're as good. I think they're close. They're getting close to as good. I think with the draft the Jets had and with the lack of activity yeah. the Patriots had in the offseason, I think they're getting close to as good. Both quarterbacks, I know Mac Jones had a had a had a good rookie year, but his roster got worse. Zach Wilson's roster got better. So I think I think it's close between the Patriots and Jets. I, I just think I just think uh this is gonna be a rough year for the Patriots. I think playing the playing the North, having to play some of the second place teams in the division last year, the Raiders and the and the, and the Colts, who are definitely teams that are gonna be competing for a playoff spot. I think it's gonna be a tough year for the Patriots. That's why I got them going six and eleven. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, there's a couple of toss-ups in there. Um that yeah, you could go either way. It, it it is. It's you know, they did not do a lot here to kind of fix to get better. I understand that. They they really didn't. I think they drafted bet like I, I, I am really kind of high on some of these like Thompson out of the draft. I'm really high in him out of Baylor. Like I, I think you know he, he could kind of really step up. I, I think you know I like their ideas of trying to get faster and I think that could benefit the scene. That's kind of why I'm at like eight and nine. Maybe they could surprise some folks. But again I think they kind of hang around there for a while. Um I, I'm I feel a little bit better about them. I'm Hoping you know Mac Jones plays a little bit better than he did towards the end of the year, uh, you know, and doesn't go through that sophomore slump. But you know, I was surprised too that Patriots have four straight primetime games in December. Really? Oh, four straight primetime games? That's crazy. Yeah. When, when does it start with the Buffalo so, game? Right? It starts with the Vikings game. Vikings Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Buffalo, Bills. Arizona, and and yeah, the and Vegas. the Raiders. And the only one that could get flexed is that Raider game, the one you're the most excited for. Yeah. Yeah, so we could possibly, which this is made, you know, I know it's not the most exciting Patriot team in the world either. So I, I would, that that also kind of surprised me a bit that we have that many. That, and then we have the Bears too at home on a Monday night, which that's going to be, that's going to be an ugly one. Yeah, I think you I should think, win. That's one of the few, that's one of the games I got you winning. That's one of the games yeah. I got you winning against the Bears on Monday night. Yes, we should totally win that one. But that, that I could see that one be a low score and defensive battle that one for those two. Oh, and, um, definitely. I Absolutely. see Hector's got with uh, the Steelers schedule being very favorable. Yeah, I think yeah, um, it's not bad at all. You know, you got yeah. Well, they they play the they play the they play the AFC. They play the they play the AFC. Oh, but the but you got yeah, but the AFC East and they and they host. I think they host they, they host you and the Jets. I think right. Yeah, they, ho- they host you guys in the Jets. So they two are probably the lesser teams in the AFC East. Do you have the do you, oh do you have the pass finish in second or third? Third, I think Miami. Or not, I haven't made eight nine. I had Dolphins eight nine as well. So I, yeah, yeah. you know, I didn't go. I had them eight nine too. But but yeah, but yeah, you look at Pittsburgh's schedule facing the AFC East, and then uh, and so, so the, the that, that that could help them. But I still feel like Pittsburgh's not going to have a winning record because of their quarterback situation. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. You know, kind of with that. Yeah, who's gonna play? Um, how long do they wait for Pickett? 
you know, they added, you know, I think they did with the Patriots. They added some speed at wide receiver, which I like. Uh, it is a favorable schedule with Mike Tom and that organization. I wouldn't be shocked to see him finish nine and eight. Um, at first glance, I was right around eight and nine. I wouldn't be shocked to see them win nine games, but you know, you got the Browns early on the road. I know you end with them week, you know, 18. Um, but like they play the NFC South, so you could, and you got the Saints at home, so you could very well go three one against the NFC South, which could help things. Um, but yeah, I, I could, you know, I, I do think you know, Steelers travel wise, it, it's not bad at all. It is and it isn't, but I think the problem there is going to be the quarterback. And the quarterback and the offensive line are the problem. That's why I got that team missing the playoffs by a couple games. But we got the Yanks and so- you got the Yanks and Sox continuing to go in opposite directions. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. So how about those Yankees? They continue to play well. They won a series against Chicago this week in Chicago this weekend. They, they took a, a two out of uh, three out of four from the White Sox. Now they've taken the first two in their uh, four game series with the Orioles. Everything's clicking. Judge has been great. Stanton's been great. Rizzo's been really good. You know, so the offense has been good. The, the, the pitching has been outstanding. The bullpen's been outstanding. Is there really any holes on this team? This team is play, I mean, they're, they're trying to find things that this team struggles with. Maybe offensively a little bit, but maybe they're because they're not the number one. They're not, you know, number one in run score. But still, this team has just been flat out phenomenal. This, I think, this could be a special season for the Yankees for what we're seeing right now. Yeah, it is. Um, I'm trying to think of that. Like the only spot would be like catcher, but like Trevino hits a big three run shot last. How night. many teams in baseball though have issues with offense with catchers not hitting? I'll tell you a lot. There's probably a lot, but yeah, there's a yeah. ton. Yeah. It's a tough position to get offense from, but um, yeah, it's it, you know it's been good. You know, actually the only, the other kind of hole I would say is in Montgomery starts. They only have he's made eight starts this year, or he's made he's made seven starts. They've only given him eight runs. That's like the only he's gotten like the Degrom treatment. That's about the only other thing I have is scoring with some more runs for Montgomery. Um, but yeah, this team right now is is playing well. Judge and Stanton actually an opening day. I, I was kind of looking at DraftKings. Stan was five thousand one odds for MVP. I just I put a few bucks on him. I'm oh, like, nice. you know if he stays healthy, he's gonna hit thirty five home runs. Oh yeah, yeah. Exactly. So he's been on fire. Yeah. I know he's probably not the favorite at the moment, but he's he's playing well. Judge is just again he made a great decision to bet on himself, and it's paying off well. He got robbed of the home run last night with the new redesigned camera in the yard, which is a complete joke that the MLB 
let them do that. But it, it's been great. It's it's you know Mike 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 King again last night was unbelievable. He just again his stuff is just so filthy. Nestor Cortez too has has been unbelievable. He just works so fast. It, it's location like everybody loves a pitcher that can throw a hundred, but. Look at Wainwright. He stayed in this game so long because it's location. You know, he, he he puts the pitches right on the black, and it's unhittable. You know, it, it, it's just it, right now, yeah, it really kind of seems like this, this Yankee team right now is uh, could be on for a, you know, for a really, really nice year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there just isn't any holes. When you don't have holes, you're going to have a great season. And I just feel like this team just has no holes in, on it right now. It's just it's it's just everything's flowing. Everything's everything's been playing real well. I mean, they 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 started five and five, so they've won twenty two of their last twenty six games. I mean, twenty two and four in their last twenty six. That's absolutely phenomenal, and that's why they're the best team in baseball. Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, in baseball too, it's tough to kind of do that. And yeah, they kind of got off to such a bad start, but they kind of figured it out that that um, Detroit series, they came home and. They, they figured it out. Yeah, they've been on a roll ever since. And, and I'll, yeah, I guess some credit to Boone, too, this year. He's made a every right decision. Like, I'm not, you know, like, it's like I'm starting to kind of get like that Red Sox team in 2018. I don't, I know they're probably not going to win 115 games like they did, but like the feeling kind of, of like everything is just clicking every single night. Like, everything kind of seems to break your way. The manager makes just makes every right decision every night. Like it kind of like I'm getting that kind of feel of this team right now. So yeah, you know, just it, this, this team is just on an absolute roll. You made a good point about Aaron Boone. He's done. He's, he's done a really good job. And I was was one. We, I was one. You weren't, but I was one that wanted him fired. I wanted him out, and he's proved to be. He's he's had a really good year, and uh, he's, he's 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 done a great job with this team. And it's just it's just games that this team would lose, you know, in, in other years, like that game last week against the Blue Jays, where they were down three nothing, and they were down five three. They come back and win that game last year. That's that's def, that, that's definitely a loss. There's no there's there's no way that's not a loss. And then uh, obviously. Uh, even on a Saturday night where they were down, uh, they were down two to one going into the ninth inning. They came back and tied the game. Other years, they don't do that. They had two hits on Sunday and they still won. It's like they're winning in so many different ways. And that's, that's what great teams do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You find a way to win and, you know, and yeah, that's kind of the big thing. You know, you, you kind of find things to do. It's kind of been on the base path as well this year. They kind of sold more bases, um, you know, the pitching's been outstanding. Yeah, it's, they put in some more small ball this year, I feel like, and it's, it's helped, you know. Um, yeah, you got to find it. You know, you can't – I know we've both been saying this for years. You just can't – you can't win with just exclusively a home run ball. It just doesn't happen. And maybe they kind of figured that out, you know, somewhat of, hey, we do need to kind of switch things up a bit, you know. Yeah, there's times they still strike out a lot. But, again, I even feel like that's been cut down too this year. Like, they, again – a lot of the, or if they strike out too, like I feel like the bats are much better than what's last year. I feel like guys at times is, you know, they just, Hector, yeah, they're playing, they're playing um, smart. Yeah, they're playing smart and not, over, yeah. and not over aggressive. Like other years, they were, they wanted to hit home runs and, and they, they, they want to swing for the fences. Yeah, I know they're still hitting home runs, but this year, you know, they're, they're running the base as well. They're hitting line drives. It's definitely a team that, it's it's it, yeah, it's, it's, and, and you're right about Justin. It's just a team that, that's playing a lot better because they're not relying on the home run ball. Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, we we met. I know we both of them mentioned this. You just you can't win that way all the time. It just it just won't work, especially if the balls are on juice. Who knows what's going on with the baseballs? Nobody ever knows. But yeah, you know, again, I you know, saying this two for years. 
just put the ball in play and good things happen. And it, it just kind of seems like they figured that out this year. You know, I don't know what or how, but like, yeah, it just, again, it just, there's this offense right now. It's done a lot better. Like I know Gal still has a strikeouts, but I feel like his at bats have been a bit better. They're still not Gal, great. Gal's been in the ball better. I mean, that home run yeah. on Sunday, that, that, that's a step. If he can get, imagine if he can get going. Cause you, you obviously got Rizzo, Stanton and Judge. They've been getting going. Glaber's been better of late. If you can get, if you can get, uh, if you can get, uh, Gallo going. Imagine this lineup. Yeah, I'm like even Torres because Torres is fixed now. It seems like yeah, like if Gallo probably you know would mostly been like in that you know five six hole somewhere around there. You can get that for you know you can get him kind of going with that in the six spot the order. It, that'd be huge. I know the numbers still aren't great, but he's a guy I think you know with that short porch out there right. You know, at some point he could kind of figure it out and have really get those numbers skyrocket. Um. Hector's comedy, yeah. Honestly, I'm surprised how yeah, Toronto's not been played well. I know yeah, Rios Toronto's Rios has struggled. They've really, they've really struggled to hit too. They're they're but really outside of Guerrero and Springer, they've really struggled to hit. A lot of people thought Toronto was going to win this division. They've struggled to hit. Uh, I mean, Barrios hasn't been as good. So yes, Toronto definitely has been a little bit disappointing. Tampa's uh, it, 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 they're there. They're 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 in position to get a wild card. But we all know the team. That's, you know, ganging ground on the Yankees in the American League, and we know who that team is. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, the, uh, we, we know Toronto totally could be, you know. Yeah, yeah but, but we know what team's been ganging ground on them, though, in, 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 the, in the American League. That's, that's, that's the Houston Astros. Oh, yeah, Houston, yeah, Houston, yeah. Um, uh, they're playing Boston right now, and they're kind of healthy, they're getting healthy. They're, you know, they've been playing well, but yeah, you know, it's again, Houston, the team that they can never see to get over the hump again, so. Yeah, you know, that again, like for the Yankees, I know it is still really, really early. Um, you know, like it's you know, I know we're talking about who's you know going back to who's is um is like can they do it in the playoffs? Can they hit in the can they finally hit in the playoffs? I know it's way early, but again, like you know, right? Like that 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 could be the thing that could kill them right now is if postseason that they, they cannot hit the baseball again. That's you know where they're at right now. If they kind of you know they. They um uh, they hit like they usually have in the playoffs the last couple years yeah, and they'll you know they'll be in trouble but um you know get you Houston with because Verlander's been good you know McCullers uh you know is, is out but um you know Valdez Garcia's kind of is, is been good they they got some young players and obviously with Altuve still and Bregman they still got some really really good players and they'd be a tough obviously another tough out for the Yankees they haven't absolutely absolutely and now speaking of Houston. They're playing the Red Sox right now. And I was going to praise the Red Sox a little bit this week. It felt like they, you know, took some strides. They took two out of three in, in Texas. Uh, they did beat the Astros, too, on uh, on Monday night. Obviously, Trevor Story had that big home run against them. Uh, Trevor Story had a home run. And then uh, and then uh, Xander Bogarts had a home run. So, it seemed like they were making some strides. And then last night happened. Nathan Evaldi could not have been more pathetic. He was absolutely horrendous. Nine runs in, in an inning. Yes, this pitching – Statistically, is good right now, but do you really expect Michael Waka and uh, you expect guys like Michael Waka and Rich Hill to hold up? I don't think so. The offense needs to be better. I mean, I know you know, you know, Story is is doing a little bit better, but he hasn't been. He's he's been bad. Uh, The the big three have been. That's really been the only guys really been hitting for the Red Sox this year. Kike Hernandez has been pathetic. Jackie Bradley's not been able to hit. Verdugo's been in a slump. So. The Red Sox, to me, they they are really, really slumping right now. And I think they were kind of the team we thought they were going to be last year, a fourth-place team that that is probably that could end up being, you know, six, seven games under five hundred. 
Yeah, it's Evaldi last. So some he gave up yeah, five home runs the second inning. He threw thirty nine pitches. Did you work that game? Runs. Did you work that yeah, game? Yeah, I worked the last two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was an ugly one. They were not happy last night. And then with the Yankees winning too, it was a very somber night for him. Um, but he, like he he only had three swings and misses last night and thirty nine pitches, and he gave up five home runs. Like it, it just he couldn't get anything by him. I know he said after the game he's gonna you know see if he was tipping his pitches maybe try to figure something out, but. You got to see right, – I guess the bright side last night was their bullpen pitched really well for him afterwards. The, the bullpen kind of, uh, you know, tried to keep him in it. Like, they had 13 hits last night. They just couldn't get that big hit in scoring position. Runners kind of on. But as you mentioned, it's been Bogarts, Martinez, Devers have been, like, the big three. And, and Frenchie Cordero, since they've called him up, he's he's looked a lot better this year. Like, it, he's not had as much swing and miss as he has last year. He still needs a lot of work over that first base, but – you know, he's, he's played first base mostly over Dolbeck the last couple of games. So, Ian Cordero is starting to kind of be a guy in the order. You know, he could be somebody to kind of look out for because, you know, he hit what? What was it like? Like a 465-foot bomb last year in Washington. Like, he, you yeah. know, he's got some pop to him. So, he's a guy, too, that maybe he could get hot. But, yeah, he's, you mentioned pitching-wise. Waka, you can't provide – you know, you can't kind of – Again, he's not having a one ERA all year. Whitlock kind of has had his struggles. It sounds like he's going to say in the rotation, he's not going to be the closer. It sounds like they'd rather have him throw more innings and have him kind of more decide a game early on than be the closer at the end. So, you know, closer role, who knows what's going to happen there with the Sox. But, yeah, you can't keep relying on some of these guys because, you know, again, how much you can get out of sale. He's just – he's not been able to stay healthy. Could he pitch, you know, staying off the I.L. from June to – September, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's the thing. You you wonder when you're going to get Chris Sale back, and really, can anyone else? I know Rich Hill and Walker have done a good job, and have all did a good job until last night. But how long can you really rely on these guys? How could you? How long can you rely on them to to to, to get it done? I mean, they, they're not. None of them are great pitchers. I mean, Valdi had a career year last year. Rich Hill and Waka. Waka's ever since that one year in St. Louis, he's been very inconsistent. And Rich Hill's. I don't know how, how old is he, like in his 40s? 42. He's 42 years old, so it's, it's just very hard to rely on, rely on those guys. So they got to get Chris Sale back. Yeah, we'll see when they get Chris Sale back, but the offense has got to do it. The, it's the strength of the team. They got to be better offensively. I know they've been better lately, but they got to be – they still they got to do it consistently or it's going to get late early for the Red Sox. This season could very easily be over by the All-Star break. Yeah, absolutely it could, and, you know – that's not gonna make a lot. Of, obviously, you know, will not make the fan base very happy after what they had last year too. Um, just so much momentum coming into this year, and again, it has it pretty much stalled right from the beginning. You know, pretty much that first game to the Yankees. You know, they got up early in the first inning. I was like, this is gonna be a long year for New York. And again, it, you know, it, it just like since the first game, they just have not. You know, they've they struggled. You know, since then, and yeah, it just again, you know. Bogart's news, I know, sounds like, you know, who knows what's going on with the Bogart kind of contract situation. But, yeah, they're not, you know, they, it, they're, you know, they're, they're starting to be a lot, some pressure here on, on Bloom of kind of, you know, why didn't you get a get a reliever? And the, and the thing is, it's like they kind of believe that, you know, some fans kind of believe listening to the, you know, one of the shows for the pregame is, you know, did he get story because he knows Bogart's is gone instead of getting the relievers? Like, it, it, you know, he better – you know, like they need story here because if he is the guy for Bogart to fill in, it's not going to be pretty. Which I, 
which I think is ridiculous why you wouldn't pay your best one of your best players because you're and then not improve your team because you're afraid the guy's going to leave. Just pay the guys, pay the guy, give him the money he wants, just pay him. That, that, that's the problem with this general manager. He, he thinks this, he thinks this is Tampa where he could just, you know, rebuild, you know, build from the ground up. No, in Boston, you need, you need to pay these guys. You got to be competitive every year. And this team right now is just not competitive. No, they're not. Yeah. As you mentioned, yeah. You know, again, it's, you can do it in some spot trying to be Tampa, but yeah, no, not, at, not, not with the Red Sox. You can't, um, you know, it, it, I don't know. Again, I don't know how true it is that how far off they were, you know, negotiating wise, but yeah, you like it, you know, again, you got to pay Bogart to 30, 35 million. He said yesterday in the interview with like the Spanish broadcasters, he wants to be here and he wants his, he wants to retire his uniform. He wants to retire number two in a Red Sox uniform. You know, he wants to be here, but so, you know, he probably take a little bit of hometown discount. So I kind of more believe that the Red Sox are trying to lowball him a little bit too much and, you know, Heim's probably going to have to, you know, they're going to have to up that because he, he's a guy that you got to keep around. He, he Again, he's, you know, he, he's a fan favorite in Boston, and he'd be such a huge loss to, to lose him. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll wrap the t- show talking about some hockey. And uh, last week we were here, we thought the Rangers were done. They were down 3-1. They started so slow in game two. And then when Sidney Crosby got hurt, that series turned around completely. The Rangers scored three unanswered goals. They did give give a goal back, but they ended up winning uh, game four, five to three. Also got down two nothing in game six and came back and won that five three. Thanks to Savannah, Jad, and Kreider, they both had two goals in that game six. They carried him in that game six, and then game seven, uh, Artemi Panarin did not have a good series, but he came through to win that series. Great series win for a young Rangers team. No one expected him to win that series. And, and, and it was really, really exciting to see them win that series. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the slogan they've been using, the has they've been using, no quit New York. And that's, you know, they, they, that team did not quit. And yeah, game six, you know, that penalty changed it on Rodriguez. That was a bad penalty. And did you mention the power play got going with Sabanin, Jan, and Kreider? They took advantage. Game seven, I was very worried. Crosby coming back. You know, they got to starting goaltender back in Jerry. They got down again, and they, they found a way to win that game somehow, you know. And as you mentioned, Panarin, the, uh, they kind of drew that power play up for him, you know, right out the face. I was like, oh boy, you know, I don't know how that, I don't know how that, that game winning shot got through. There was like four guys in front of the net there. It did. Yeah. You know, parents not great. They need to be better. Igor's got us, you know, and for them, they got to play better, but you know, on, on the road, he's got to play a lot better. He gave up a lot of kind of easy goals in Pittsburgh. I felt like, you know, that, you know, obviously the offense didn't help them, but, um, yeah, the team's got to. This team's got to. Um, you know, they, again, they did surprise a lot of people, and again, they they overcome that that review again. Like that again, four four fifty fifty reviews all went Pittsburgh's way. The team still found a way to kind of rebound off of it and still be able to win the series. So you know, it, it was impressive. It was a great win against the Penguins. Now on to the Hurricanes, and the big question is: do the, do the Rangers have a chance to upset them? And I think they do because the Hurricanes went to seven games with the Bruins and didn't win a road game. I think the Hurricanes might lose some games in the Garden. I wouldn't be surprised if the Rangers gave, pushed this to six or seven. To be honest, I I, I really do. So you're, you're higher than me. I, it, Carolina came in the month of March and April on the road division, kind of still in balance, and they came in and dominated New York. That's what I kind of worry about. Now, Retina's sorry, you know, Auntie Retina, their backup goalie's in that at least for tonight. So you got the backup goalie um, for him, but like Caroline just got so much firepower. And you got to start a lot faster than, than 
the way you have, especially on the road. Like Igor's got to show up on the road tonight. He's got to show up because they get down early. Again, Carolina, they're 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 not allowing any fans outside, like Ranger fans out of North Carolina. So there's going to be absolute zero Ranger fans in the building um, tonight. But it, it, you know, you got to try to steal one on the road. But that's going to be very tough. A veteran Bruins team couldn't do that. You you got to go in there and, and try to just you know score early and just try to put some pressure on them. Yeah, when is their starter expected to be back? What's his last name's Anderson, right? It's Anderson, yeah. In hockey, they don't really give you any info. All you oh, have really? to do is say upper, upper body or lower body. That's about it. So it's always tough to kind of tell, and they don't usually – coaches don't usually give you that info. So did you think the Rangers were a better team than the Bruins? Because that because if they if the, if the Rangers were better than the Bruins, I think they could give the Hurricanes a series. I do think the Rangers are better than the Bruins. But I, I just think with that veteran of – you know, pass or not – Bergeron, uh, you know, McAvoy, like the guys that have been there and been to Stanley Cup, I know they, because they really struggled on the road there. They, they got them at home, but I know goaltending two for the Bruins was not great. They kind of struggled in that area, but I don't know. You know, it, it's, I, I think the Rangers could, they just got to start faster. I just don't think you can fall behind 3 1 to the team or, you know, even, you know, Gabe tonight, you can't fall behind 2 0 and hope to come back because Carolina's not going to give it to you. And I also think because Rangers were great in the power play all year. Carolina was eighty-eight percent in the uh, PK this year. You know, like they're I'm not going to—they're good at—they're good at killing penalties. Yeah, that's also what worries me in the series. Yeah, it—it—it it, it, it should be a really good series. So, my series prediction is I'm going to take the Hurricanes in six. What do you got, Justin? I'm going to go Hurricanes in five. Oh wow! Yeah, I think they're—I—I I think this team's going to be too much, and they were too much to handle for the Rangers. Most season winning three out of four. Oh wow, wow, wow! So uh, yeah, but still, this was a real. Regardless of what happens in the series, I think this was a really good, uh, really good year for the Rangers. Regardless, even if they get swept, I think it's a really good year for the Rangers. Yeah, absolutely. I think with the young core that they got, you know, that kind of um, exceeded expectations. I think this is. I, I think you know, you got a lot of young guys here that kind of now, now we know um, how to get to the playoffs and. I think they'll be better. Yeah, and I think this is a good step forward. Again, Carolina, that most of that team's got a young court, so they're going to be a tough out the next couple of years. But, yeah, I think it's a good step in the direction for the Rangers. Even if they do lose a series in five games, I think for a Ranger fan, it was a positive view. Absolutely, absolutely. That's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. For Jace Garcia, who did a great job, our producer. For Justin Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking NBA, NH, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, and the Yankees and Red Sox. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now is the best coach in college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group, and here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Man. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, 
Ivy League Murders, and Burn, the Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting CloverCrestMedia.com.